Hello all, and welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 93, and today we'll be talking about Warp Tour. I'm GC13. I'm Sophia. It's Dakota! I'm back, yay! Woo. So, are you, like, back for realsies this time? Because last time you were on, I said you were back in the real way, and then this is your first time back since. Yeah, no, hopefully I will be back, but I just kind of got to get it in my head. Hey, we record on Sundays now. Honestly, like, for a while, I just haven't even thought about it. I have been working Sunday nights, like, um, just because I've been working nights and I ha- I've been working on Sundays. But now I only work two days a week at that job, so yeah, I am back until further notice. So, Warp Tour was a big one, wasn't it, Sophia? Yes, it was, absolutely. Like, despite the fact that I didn't like, like, I felt like the, um, the structure of the plot was literally cliche, I still ended up liking it in the end. Like, by this time in the show, I'd really gotten connected to the characters and the way they interacted with each other, and obviously the big reveal with Peridot at the end kind of made up for the fact that, like, this plot, we've seen it a hundred times before, one character sees something, no one else believes them, and the episode he's proven right, like... This ain't new innovation, but I think like the fact that the show has such a good, like solid um a base to stand on. Like you can have an episode with a, like a really terrible plot and development, but like seeing the characters interact with it in the characters that like you love, it really adds to it. The clicheness of the plot doesn't really bother me. Like I totally see that now that you pointed out. Like I hadn't even noticed that it does follow this paradigm so closely. But what really bothers me about this episode isn't that it's just this like really cliche outline that we have seen so many times. Honestly, I wouldn't even notice that had you not pointed it out. What bothers me is the way like Steven just cannot accept that the others think he's wrong because in so many other episodes he just accepts okay you say i'm wrong i must be wrong i don't know much about the world but in this episode he was so insistent no i'm right i have to be right i think i'm right well i mean he he saw it he there's no mistaking that so of course he's adamant i think this is like my turn to be like i didn't notice until dakota brought it up but that was some that is something that is that does kind of bother me like this does feel out of character for Steven like he's usually very much trusting of the gems trusting that they know what's going on and now he's just like very adamant in what he saw I totally get what you're saying GC that like he saw it with his own eyes so of course he's going to argue with him and say he's right but that's the first time he's ever seen outside of the stream how is he going to not know that like some how for all he knows that sometimes the streams just look like there are particles or things in it you know well, I mean, if if that if that was the case, then Garnet could have just peeked out the warp stream and said, "Oh yeah, that's like the maintenance beam. Don't worry about that. It just does that." But no, she's like, "No, you didn't see anything, Stephen. Quit quit being silly." Hmm. I mean, like I, I can know. see as a writing standpoint why this episode went the way it did. Like, obviously, you can't just have. Like, boom, Peridot's here, like, and then just now you have 11 minutes left to fill. And also you want to have, like, very obvious character development down the road where, like, I think someone pointed out that in um, Chilatid how Steven had said that he saw Lapis in a dream and, you know, Pearl and Amethyst immediately trusted him. And how, like, here in Warped Tour it's different and, like, people could argue, like, this is kind of setting up for character development and the development of the Crystal Gems um, trust for Steven, but at the same time, like, eh, it could have been done better. Well, what I think was done very well, you mentioned the big reveal of Peridot. Oh, you, you should, I'm, I'm glad there was nobody filming my live reaction to the, to the episode, because I was leaned forward in my seat, and I, 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 I must have looked like a complete idiot. I was just so into it. Oh, yeah. Th- this show has a way of sucking you in. Just breathless the whole time. It's like, I mean, we, we had already seen Lapis, but 
here we have a bona fide modern homeworld gem yeah. warping to Earth. How cool is that? Yeah, like at, like at that point in the show, we had no idea who Lapis was. She could have been like a crystal gem that went kind of rogue or whatever. Like she came from Earth, but Peridot from the flesh, like straight out of homeworld. And we have no <laughs> idea what this means. And I think like... The fact that it was, like, Steven didn't see Peridot in the warp stream. He just saw, like, something that was off added to sort of a mystery that was, you know, like, built up suspense up until the end, the big reveal. And I did like that. Well, why don't we talk about what we do like about this episode? Because nobody likes a negative Nancy. Oh, we already mentioned Peridot being awesome. I mean, like, yeah, obviously, like, Peridot being revealed is, like, huge thing, like, fandom going nuts, all this fan art, and then, you know, look how far Peridot has come. She's completely different. Do you guys remember how Peridot's name was actually leaked before this episode came out? No, I wasn't in the fandom no, at the time. I, I can't say I recall that. I remember that, like, someone had caught a screen cap from one of the earlier episodes, and Peridot's voice actress, uh... Shelby Rabara I think her name it was like credited to yeah. someone named Peridot and everyone was like oh my gosh who is Peridot going to be and we knew when this episode came out that Peridot was going to be shown and I remember that I was on a debate trip or something like I wasn't home and I just I told my mom record this episode and when this character named Peridot comes out send me a picture of her and I always I thought she was going to be like this hardcore like diamond level gem like just someone who was just going to like destroy everyone and like now we see who she is I think it's just so funny how her character has evolved yeah. yeah, but I, I I think I remember that. I do remember that we got Lapis's name before the episode aired. We got Ruby, Sapphire, Jasper, and Malachite before the episode aired. And I, I do think we got Peridot as well. Yeah. But, you know, you got you guys have both said what you didn't like about the episode. I I remembered what I thought was weird about the episode. Minor, minor nitpick complaint, but they stick in the warp stream for... As long as the plot needs them to. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Because mm-hmm. they're in the warp stream for insanely long amounts of time in this episode, whereas, like, in Giant Woman, Stephen, he can't even finish saying harmony without the, before the warp stream finishes. Yeah, yeah, I think, like, that's definitely something that I've noticed, and, you know, like, obviously for plot reasons or whatever, you extend it or shorten it because it's just, like, the travel time, but. If warp stream is like maybe it's like set to distance, so maybe like the 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 the, the mountains where the giant woman took place are much closer to the to the last it, warp. That no, they no, it it can't possibly be that because a the trip to the galaxy warp still takes a pretty long time, and it's just a couple hours. It's just a couple time zones away from Beach City. But two, Peridot shows up within seconds of the homeworld warp being fixed and that's in a different galaxy yeah but i think like maybe the big galaxy warp like the big connecting galaxies warp has like different properties to it like maybe it's more expensive maybe it would have to be more bandwidth it's (laughs) countless of it's like if i were to run the numbers me me saying it is trillions of times faster than the domestic warp would have to be would be so laughably out of scale, but I'd have to run the numbers to see how many zeros are on that multiplier, but it's a lot of zeros. Well, I think, like, you know, warping across the Earth, Earth is, like, the tiniest fraction of a light year versus the galaxy is several hundred thousand light years, I think. So it's a lot. It's a lot. A trillion is a good number to throw out there. I don't think, like, the actual science of, like, whether or not the main homeworld warp needs to be, like, 
X times faster than like domestic warps, but I do buy that depending on how far away it might take a little bit longer. Although like I still think that your criticism GC is valid, but it is weird in this episode they linger in the warp string where in other episodes it's so instantaneous. Well, maybe it's like the technology that the main warp uses to get back to homeworld is the same technology that the little ruby ship used with like the squeaky <laughs> ball over it. Maybe it's different. Maybe like Paradox sees different things going on when she's in that galaxy warp versus when you're in the normal ones. I think it's just convenience. What if the homeworld it, it's obviously convenience, from homeworld but I love into this. to the earth, she got there instantaneously because the warp technology has just gotten so much better in the thousands and thousands of years that the homeworld, uh, the crystal gems have been stranded on earth. But the warp pad technology that currently exists on Earth is still, like, really ancient. Well, yeah, but you still have, like, the receiving pad on Earth is the ancient technology. Although maybe, like, the the robot goop updated it. Uh, uh, maybe? I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe? I don't know. I answered That's my own theory. Really question. <laughs> I, I, I just don't think they need any help on this. They can figure it out if it ever becomes important. Yeah, there's there's plenty. Uh, we can do it for them. They just need to listen to the Lunar Sea Spire, and it's like, damn, all these you know fans are getting in on our plot holes. Like, we'll fill them for you. It's fine. Well, you know, our minds are the internet, and we do know every continuity mistake ever made on television. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right now, I will just buy that they had a linger in the warp stream because it was good for the plot line. I'll just buy that. Yeah, obviously. Like, 100%. That's the reason. It's just fun to think. Um... A thing that I did like about this episode, like, the one joke that has stuck with me throughout the whole season because it's just so funny to me is the bit where it's like, Steven just saw the, um, the Robonoid in the warp stream and he goes back and, and uh, Pearl was like, are you sure your eyes weren't, you know, um, blurry <laughs> yeah. from the allergies? He's like, I can see fine. And then squints, Pearl. <laughs> the delivery of that was so good. Yeah, that is hilarious, even though it, it kind of bothers me a little because he can tell it's her from her voice. So either he's deliberately being funny or I don't know. It's the writers being funny. I think it was just a cartoony thing. It was so funny to me. Like, I was just dead after seeing that. And it's still like, I st- I find times to use that joke in real life, although I never can really like nail the delivery <laughs> like Steven does. You, know, you want to talk about funny parts of the episode. Two two visual things that I really like are when Amethyst is telling Steven that, you know, he'll get used to Pearl being right. And, you know, she kind of walks and wiggles funny when she bumps into him. Yeah. That was I cute. really like that for some reason. That looks funny. And, of course, the adorable way Pearl pokes Steven awake. Yes, and the, I love the edit someone did where they like rapidly yes. speed it up, and there's the animation of her just like doing like the super fast like the anime aura punches. <laughs> it's so good. Consecutive normal pokes. It's <laughs> one of my favorite things. Although, like speaking of uh, amethyst gestures or whatever, like one of my favorite amethyst faces to date, and she has a lot of good faces. One of my favorite ones is in this episode when she does like the fart face after making fun of Steven and right before the door closes to the temple. Did I love that gesture, face. like a mannerism. Wait, gesture? that's wait gesture. 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 It's a, yeah, it's a soft G. Okay. Are we gonna have a, like a GIF? GIF <laughs> is this gonna be the GIF GIF battle? Because okay, it's because the answer is GIF. Just just in case anybody out there is wondering. No, you're right. The you're answer right. is it doesn't matter. It's like who pressed. I agree uh, with what you're saying. I'm. I was picking on you. One thing about this episode that I do want to talk about are the Robonoids themselves. First of all, how long has Homeworld had these Robonoids? Because it's 
obvious in later episodes. It's not a technology Pearl is familiar with. And second, how long has it been this easy just to send the Robinoids to Earth and fix the warp pad? Well, this is the first time they've cared. Because this is like, okay, well, the cluster's gonna be, you know, coming any time now. Let's might as well just send someone to check up on it to make sure it's, like, still working. Yeah, when the episode first aired, we had no idea why is the homeworld coming now? But we found out later that the whole point of the timing of this is, well, we could have come back at any time, but the cluster's ready, so time to check up on it. Yeah, and that's, like, what all these theories pop up about how Steven was born just at that time. Like, it, like Steven had millennia to be born, and, like, is it really, like, a coincidence that Rose found, like, a mate that she wanted to die for right when the cluster was just about to be checked out when Steven would be, like, maturing? I mean, I guess so, but, like, first of all, I, I think that the Robinoids have been around for a while because to Peridot, they seem so disposable. Like, one was kind of cracked, and so she just popped it. She was just like, yeah, I gotta get rid of that. And when I first saw this episode, I thought, dang, that's so harsh, it's horrible, but in retrospect, I think about, like, a cup at McDonald's, if it falls on the floor, I'm not gonna be all like, no, this cup! I'm just gonna throw it away, you know? It's Are just, you like, kidding me? A disposable I drop tool. my McFlurry on the ground, it goes everywhere, I will cry. You'll cry, and I'll cry because I have to clean it up. But I'm talking about just, like, an empty <laughs> cup if it falls over on the ground. Like, well, I'm yeah, going to throw like, that away. Robinoid isn't a cup at McDonald's. A yeah. false Robinoid is a highly intelligent piece of machinery that, even though it's built to repair things, can figure out how to fight somebody no, in a No, but, like, 4,000 years ago, leg in pity, or however long ago, humans had paper. Paper was such, like, this rare commodity. It took so much to make. And now we just use it for cups, and if it falls on the ground throw it away because we can't serve that to customers what i'm saying is if that she was so willing to just dispose of that robinoid because it was cracked it's obviously not a technology that they care so much about because like if i okay okay yeah but you you know what dakota dakota you're missing the point dakota you're missing the point imagine that imagine that instead of being a instead of being a robot imagine it was a gem who who's like amethyst but it's it's him in an indirect kiss Imagine that her gem was cracked and she needed help. And if Peridot just completely shattered her gem right there, we'd be like, wow, she's hardcore. She just killed a sentient self-aware creature. No, I get that. That's why that scene was so powerful when it first aired. What I'm concerned about is if they've had these Robinoids so long that they're like such uh, like low level technology that they can dispose of them then, why have they not even tried to restore the homeworld warps? Not to just come back and check on like the uh, cluster a little bit earlier on or just to check and make sure, hey, there really aren't any more crystal gems left on Earth. I get that like the, the cluster was coming eventually anyway and for like these gems that live forever and ever, the long haul really isn't that long of a haul. But why did they wait this entire time if they've presumably had this technology for a while to come back to Earth. I just, that's something that well, I'm curious about. According to them, once they set off that, like, space nuke, there could not have been any gems left. Like, no one had made the possible connection that anyone could have survived that. And so, like, they had no reason to check on Earth. It's like that sort of thing where it's just like, we're so important, we're not even gonna check on you. And, like, all we care about is the cluster. I suspect that the crystal gems went to ground for a long time after the homeworld left. I mean, Pearl was in her modern-day outfit before they even went to the galaxy warp to make sure that everything was disabled. So Amethyst has probably seen her shift for- seen her release her form at least once, so it was a bare minimum of 500 years, probably a couple thousand, before they even went to check the galaxy warps. Mm. Well, okay, back to how Peridot squished the Robonoid, like- 
I feel like it was so dramatic because you know what? If I was like walking with my friends and I accidentally dropped my ice cream cone on the floor and I just stared at it dramatically and slowly crushed it under my foot, I'd be getting a lot of weird <laughs> stares. Like if it's such a disposable thing, why does Peridot have to be so dramatic about it? It's like, okay, well, it's broken. You can just kick it away because it's annoying you. But no, she's got to stare it down. She's got to stare it down and just like wait for it to die. So moving on from the issue of Peridot squishing the robotoid. Which, yeah, I'm not sure what we can agree on, but I'm sure we can agree on something. <laughs> we can agree that it was sure something. It was shocking in the um, moment. So did, did did anyone get the vibe that, you know, that they were trying to make us wonder with their writing that is Amethyst pranking Stephen, you know, come from the way she's, oh, good, before she kind of slinks backwards into her room? Wait, when did this happen? She asks Steven if he's afraid that the warp monster is going to come and get him. And when he says no, she's like, oh, good. And then goes into goes back into her room. This was when she eats the macaroni cheese. Yeah, I felt like that behavior was a little bit weird, but I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't like, oh, Amethyst is planning something like she's just being weird. Yeah, I didn't think that I didn't think that she was. But, you know, because obviously we saw it. But I was thinking, are they throwing out a red herring for us? Are you telling me that the entire plot is a prank from the Crystal Gems to Steven? Nothing exists. Yes, yes. The the entire thing. They, they made up the whole homeworld thing. Peridot and Jasper and Lapis are just good friends. Yeah, they're and, like uh, not even gems. They just like taped a bunch of stuff to their forehead. and They're all Jamie. The fact that they've all been on screen at once and Steven hasn't caught on is a tribute to how dense he can be sometimes. But so so what what I what I'm saying is I think that it was always written for it to be a robinoid in the warp stream, but you know, did they throw that out there so that fans could be like, ooh, ooh, is Amethyst pranking Steven? No. I don't I don't agree. I don't think so. I think Amethyst was just being weird. She's weird sometimes. Remember um in in, in um Sworn to the Sword when Steven's like sulking and she's like, Why are you so sad like that? Like <laughs> that, that was, was weird. Great. But it was funny and it's just how Amethyst is sometimes. It was funny. Oh, you wanna know what was not funny? Amethyst eating all the macaroni. Exactly. Cheese. That is not Exactly. Cool, that is the best part of the macaroni. It's the cheese. Well, that's why she stole it. But but what in the world? Steven, your fossa! Oh, yes. I feel like a nerd that I actually knew what that was before this episode. <laughs> like your anti-cubital fossa. And I was just like, huh. <laughs> but, oh, since we're talking about the beginning of the episode, uh, something that I, something that stuck out to me when I first watched the episode is how Amethyst and Pearl were flirting. Right as the episode began. My alley... My, um, my ball court, this is how I met my wonderful girlfriend, this is how I've, like, this is what, this is the, the, the scene that fueled many shippers. Do you ship Opal, Sophia? Okay, no, because I don't actually want them to be, like, fused. Like, I like their dynamic when they're apart. But, yes. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, I mean, total, total flirting, which... I mean, I, I'd got the, I'd got the impression of, I'd got the impression from Giant Woman that they were fighting like an old married couple, and then here they are in Warp Tour flirting with each other, and it's I like, mean, oh yeah. They have hearts in the background. Hearts. Yep. Heart leaves. I mean, you saw, you saw them dancing together in Stephen's birthday. You saw how easily they fused in Log Date Seven One Five Two. Opal is coming back, baby. 
I'm just going to say, I don't know how people watched Peridot in this, and there there were some people, I don't know how many, who got the impression that Peridot's going to be this big, scary gem, whereas to me, I thought she was looking and acting like a maintenance worker, obviously yeah. a military, like maybe a military maintenance worker, but still a maintenance worker. Yeah, like- I, I thought that was pretty clear. No, she turned out to be today's Peridot. I kind of, as much as I love today's Peridot, I just keep thinking about what could have been if she had kept kind of the personality she has, she had in Warped Tour. So, um, is that everything? That's all I got. Okay. Well, guys, we will see you all next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Sophia. Later, everybody. Later. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening. I mean, I'll have that stuff cold. I'll have it any day of the week. I love me some Kraft mac and cheese.